0: so I'm here to give you a little message today we just had an awesome Easter Sunday who is here for that Easter Sunday yes it was amazing we had so much fun now we are heading towards Pentecost which in the Christian tradition is all about the time when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples the church is reborn but there's kind of this awkward time in between right where Jesus has died, he's resurrected, but we're still kind of waiting for something to happen. And as I've suggested before, Easter Christianity is not about this one-time miracle that Jesus did. It's about this ongoing resurrection that we're invited into. So I'm actually hoping today that we can have a little dialogue like Tina Was suggesting, right, this isn't just a a Jewish thing, Christians for ages have engaged in dialogue, but for some reason we just get up here and talk at you all day, which I am going to do a little bit, but at the end we will have some dialogue, because I want you to experience resurrection, I want you to reflect on what does this mean for me, because if it doesn't mean something to you, then really this is all for nothing because we're called to follow in Jesus's path. And if we learn anything from Jesus, we learn that we cannot have resurrection without what? Death. We cannot have resurrection without death. In fact, death and resurrection can never be separated. Death is resurrection. So if we're going to experience a resurrection today, then I actually want us to think about what would death mean to us? What would it mean for us to die, quote unquote? Now I know that sounds a little spooky and a little scary, and we're going to get into that with this text on John 21, 15, 19. This is an amazing text where Peter encounters Jesus after Jesus has been resurrected. And I think it tells us a lot about what it means to possibly die. So Jesus, just to set this up, he's resurrected. The disciples are chilling, you know, they're fishing, they're doing their thing. They can't catch any fish. They don't know what's going on. They see this weird guy on the shore. They're not sure who he is. And he's like, hey, cast your net over on that side. And they're like, okay, and they do it. And then all of a sudden they catch all these fish and they're like, oh, it's Jesus, right? And Peter jumps out of the boat. He was naked, by the way, which is kind of weird. He clothes himself. He jumps out of the boat, runs to Jesus, gets to Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, we're going to have a meal. So they have this amazing breakfast. They have this time together. They feast together. And then at the end of this feast, Jesus calls Peter to, come here, Peter, I need to talk to you. I need to ask you some things. And he does this in front of everyone. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Then he said to Peter, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. So don't get too scared because I said we have to experience a kind of death. And then it's obvious that Jesus is talking about Peter's literal physical death, right? Upon the cross, which happened in 64 AD. We know historically that that happened and we think that he was actually maybe crucified upside down because he didn't wanna die in the way that Jesus did. But I'm not talking about a physical kind of death. And I think Jesus was alluding to something much more too. I'm talking about a kind of spiritual death, a kind of death that we all have to go through at some point in our life. A kind of death that Peter had to go through, that Peter could not have gotten to this place in the story without going through. And that kind of death was the death of Peter's false self. Has anyone ever heard of that idea, the false self? Yeah, maybe. Some, some not. My wife was like, I have no idea what that means. I'm like, really, you don't know? She's like, no, you're gonna have to explain that. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, I'll explain that. So the false self was a term that was um, created in by Donald Winnicott. He was a psychoanalyst and described the false self as what happens to a person when other expectations can become of overriding importance. Overlaying predicting the original sense of self, the one connected to the very roots of one's being. So other people's expectations become the most important thing in your life. They override who you really are. This is the kind of self that the world that culture really wants to create in us, right? It's this idea that um, if I am pretty, I'm more likable. I've definitely fallen into that trap. Has anyone else? I am pretty, (laughs) (laughs) thank you, I know. But the thing is, is sometimes even when you're pretty, you're like, I have to stay really, really pretty or else people aren't gonna like me, you know? I struggle with this false self way more than probably any of you here. If I'm successful, that means I have more money. If I'm busy, that means I'm important. Anyone? Anyone? Hello? Yes? If I associate with these kinds of people, then people will accept me, right? (laughs) Thank you, Gary. Yeah, exactly. But Gary, you associate with us, so that's... You're, you're, you're living your true self, brother, which we're gonna get to. The point is we all struggle with this. I struggle with this big time. I'm way more goofy than any of you could possibly know. My wife, literally every day, pretty much says to me something like, if people only knew, and I'm like, and they never will. You know, like we all are trapped by this false self it's this mask we put on and I think it's a really helpful way to think about it because sometimes in church we're led to believe either we have to die this like physical death to be loved and you know accepted by God or that we have to die to ourself which is different because God created you uniquely, beautifully to be something in this world. And so I don't want you to die to yourself. You see what I mean? But there is a false self that we must all go beyond, that we must all transcend. I love the way that Thomas Merton talks about the false self. He was this Christian contemplative mystic. He said, it is in the false self that we alienate ourselves from reality and from God. It is then the false self that is our God. That we love everything for the sake of this self. The false self becomes our God. You know where we see that a lot, honestly? In the church, ironically, right? Where else do we feel this, maybe not here so much, hopefully, this intense pressure to be a certain way, to fit in a certain way, to possibly not be how you feel sexually, to possibly deny all the things that God made you to fit into this little box of beliefs and doctrines, right? But Peter shows us that you can be really close to God, that you can be next to God's side, that you can look like very godly but that actually you're just in your false self because peter shows this throughout the whole gospel narrative right do you remember what peter was like anybody want to shout out some things that peter was doing how about not uh, trusting in god and falling in the water right how about his selfish ambition he's always asking jesus hey Who's the best? Is it me? Is it these guys? Who's the best, right? How about when he falls asleep at the Garden of Gethsemane, when all Jesus wants him to do is stay awake? How about when he cuts off the Roman soldier's ear, and Jesus is like, yo, that's not the way we do things. He heals the ear, and he puts him on the path of nonviolence. How about when he denies Jesus three times, Three times he denies Jesus, he denies all of the people he's been with, and then after all of this, what's he do? He just goes back to fishing. Peter, Peter, the one closest to God, the one who spent three years with God, couldn't even do it. And it helps us realize that If we want to go beyond this false self, if we want to experience our true self, the most confusing thing about that is is that we can't do it in our own power. That Peter tried and continually failed. That doing this kind of work, this deep work in your own power will not work. And we find this again clearly displayed in this passage. If we could bring this passage back up. Knowing all the things that Peter did, knowing all the ways that Peter failed, Jesus is only concerned with one thing. What does he keep asking him? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus asked this three times to resurrect the true self in Peter, to transform the three denials that Peter betrayed him with, to unmask the false self and reveal the true Peter within. Jesus didn't put him on a performance review plan, <laughs> right? He didn't say, hey, step into my office. So I've been noticing. Um, we've got about six months to work this out, okay? No. He didn't ask him to recite all the right doctrines. He didn't ask for a weekly progress report. He simply asks, do you love me? Because I think Jesus knows we do not find our true selves by seeking it. We find it by seeking God. It's in this moment where Peter can finally admit, I love you, God. That he runs out to meet Jesus instead of falling in the water with his doubt. That he affirms his love for Jesus instead of denying him. That he isn't concerned with who's the best, but who to serve. Jesus talks about feeding his lambs. Lambs are weak creatures. He didn't say, feed my lions. He didn't say, feed the gazelles of beauty. He said, feed my lambs. Lambs are weak. They're needy. They don't really show a lot of affection. And he said, feed my lambs. The ones I'm sending you, not the ones that you necessarily choose or think you should feed. And finally, he's able to admit his failure. He doesn't get defensive in front of Jesus. He just says, "Yes, I love you." And ultimately he's pr- prepared to follow and go places that his false self didn't want to go. And I love how Richard Rohr kind of sums this up for us. He says, "None of us crosses over this gap from death to new life by our own effort, our own merit, our own purity, or our own perfection. Worthiness is never the ticket, only deep desire. God's one and only job description is to turn death into life. Deep desire, deep love, for God finally awakened Peter's true self. Jesus calls us to deeply love, freeing us from our false selves and into a resurrection that enables us to follow. So when we are able to focus on that deep love, which we're gonna do in a second, when we're able to love God with all we have, we become more like him, we're able to take off the clothing of our false self and have God clothe us with our true self. Because in the end, we realize it's not us who is dying. It's the illusion of our false self. We realize that what's dying is not our deepest true self, but our dependence on the false self. Because Jesus asks all of us, do you love me? And when we can honestly say, like Peter, I love you, to God and all of creation, our true self is resurrected and we can follow in God's love. So, is it true? Is it real? Well, let's find out. Let's let's engage a little bit as a community, right? So I'm gonna just ask you two questions, and if you're online, please feel free to put your answers in the comment. We're gonna spend about 10 minutes or so. I would love for you to maybe get with someone who you don't know, maybe, who's unfamiliar to you possibly. If you hate this kind of thing, like if this is making you really anxious and this is not part of your true self, that's also totally fine. There's some paper and pens over there and you can work on this on your own. But I'm just gonna ask you two questions and that is one, what is one way your false self needs to die? Just one way, don't to overwhelm me, but just one. And then number two, how is God inviting your true self into resurrection? Just those two questions. So why don't we pair up in uh, groups of maybe four or so? We'll have about 10, 15 minutes, each person maybe share for like two or three minutes, and then we'll come back and see what we've learned as a community together, okay? So go ahead and get together with people. And we will have a mic, you won't be on camera though, so don't worry about that. And I'll read us a comment to get us started online. Growth in God said my resurrection is to practice a balance of self-care and service, finding ways to honor both. I'm gonna write very nice. (laughs) But yeah, who else? Who else heard something um, that they really, that really spoke to them or that they'd like to share and the band you're welcome to share too. And if no one wants to share, I will honor that too. Anybody, Bueller, Bueller? Okay, cool. We'll get there one day or maybe not. (laughs) And that's totally fine too. So let's pray before our last song and um, go out into the world. Loving God, we thank you for Your resurrection power lives in us, that lives in all beings, that all beings created by you can experience this power we've talked about today. Lord, you've heard people share the depths of their hearts today. You've stirred things in people, and we pray that You help us as a community make those resurrection potentials reality. Help us die to the things that don't have anything to do with you and don't have anything to do with ourselves, ultimately. Because you've created us beautifully, uniquely, and wonderfully. And may we all have the strength and courage to live into that image. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. My name is CJ. You know, when Alex speaks, it's really a double-edged sword, right? Because we finally get to sit back and look at someone who's pretty teaching up here. and yet we have to deal with his questions every time he preaches. so it's it's really it's really a toss up there for you in addition to being here on a sunday morning we want to give you things as you leave the sanctuary to connect with and to connect with others and so let me give you some of those things that are coming up here as part of the oceanside sanctuary first of all There's a six week Zoom class starting Wednesday, May the 4th at 6 p.m. This is a class where we learn to read scripture, how not to read the Bible from an intelligent, faithful and radically inclusive perspective. The class starts May the 4th. It's gonna be every Wednesday for six weeks in a row. So we'd love for you to be part of that and connect with others. Through that and how not to read the Bible class. Also, coming back, the sequel to No Greater Love, an introductory path to anti-racism. This is also a six-week Zoom small group starting Tuesday, May the 10th at 6:30 p.m. Join us for this small group toward racial healing as we engage with ways that white supremacy has shaped false assumptions about black Americans. The meetings start May the 10th. They're gonna be every Tuesday for six weeks from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Once again, that's gonna be via the Zoom. And you're gonna wanna register for that class because there is limited space. Um, You need to register by May the 3rd. Also coming up, the Roots class. This is a really great opportunity to get to know more about if you are newer to the Oceanside Sanctuary or if you just need a refresher class Um, That's coming up May 14th from 8.30 a.m. till 12 p.m. Roots Class is our introduction to the Oceanside Sanctuary. And uh, it's a three-hour morning session conducted as a hybrid in-person. Or if you're more comfortable watching it online via the Zoom, uh, May 14th from 8.30 to 12 p.m. So let us know that you're interested. And you can RSVP for all three of those events coming up on the website at the Oceanside Sanctuary. Dot org backslash calendar or you can scan one of the many QR codes posted around the church and that'll take you directly to the website and then finally we'd love for you to support the Oceanside Sanctuary which is a 501c3 nonprofit your gifts and donations will help support the mission of this church and what it does in this community